Well, welcome. Welcome to Radio Life this morning. My name's Ryan. I'm our teaching and vision pastor here. And man, isn't it good to be with each other? It truly is. Um, I want to welcome those watching online. Welcome to Radiant Life this morning. I don't say welcome to church because the people are the church. And let's get our theology right. We are in a building that has been set apart, obviously, for the worship of God. But if we understand scripture correctly, we are the church. So while you are in the parking lot, you're the church. While you are at a coffee shop, you're the church. And so let's get our theology right so we can have doctoral integrity in order to have spiritual vitality. And let that just sit for a moment. I know. Hey, uh, we're, we're in a, a teaching series together that we kicked off last week titled ER, which stands for, it's got that double meaning, right? Like I'm going to an emergency room, got to have some heart, uh, dealt with the heart things. And then ER stands for emotionally uh, healthy and holy relationships. We're looking at relationships because we know relationships are difficult. Uh, whether it's a family member, a coworker, a friend, a church person, the government, the education, uh, a neighbor, whatever it is, your brother, your sister. It's just, it's, relationships are difficult. Uh, before we jump into today's teaching though, I have a quick announcement to make that we announced last week. So if you heard it last week, you're going to hear it again. And if you weren't, this is new for you and which is great. Uh, we're doing our vow renewal here Friday, March 1 at 7. Okay, at 7. At what time? Seven. We're going to be about an hour in totality, by the way. The whole thing will probably be an hour. The whole little ceremony we're going to do in here won't. You can get signed up at theradiantlife.church, okay? Go to events, get signed up that way. I just looked before this service. We are already almost at 150 people, which is about 75 couples already saying, yes, we're going to renew our vows together here at the church. And I love it. Um, and some of you are like, I really want it to be like a special moment. My kids and family. Hey, that's great. That's not for this event. You go figure that out at another time. Not poo-pooing that. It's just, this is not because we did have phone calls say, Hey, can family come? No, this is just husband and wife in the moment with you and God. Right. And so, uh, we're going to do it that way. So please get signed up. If that's for you, get signed up again. You wear what you want. We've already heard some ladies saying, I'm fitting into my wedding dress. I'm going to wear my wedding dress. And we've heard people say, I'm wearing my street clothes. Both are fine. It's depending on what you and your spouse desire to do, okay? And then we're going to make it special for you. It's going to be great. And then at the very end, um, you go home and consummate your marriage. That's biblical, by the way. That's what they did, all right? So that's, listen, there is healthy, godly sex. He's the author. He's the creator of sex within marriage, Amen. We ought to be the place where we understand healthy sex and don't let the world teach us on what sex is because the world doesn't know Jesus, doesn't know God. You don't know the creator of the sex. What you do is you distort something that God meant for good. And the church ought to be the place where it's open, right? We don't got to get into the details. We're adults. We all know the details. We know how it's done, but we ought to know what is God's boundaries. Amen? <laughs> You know, side note, really quick. Um, you all need to stop acting like middle schoolers right now. That's what you need to do. We had a ton of kids at our fun Friday. Like a ton of kids. We had almost 180, is that right? Like 180 kids at our fun Friday, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, and some of you took my advice to say, hey, parents, not only is that our biggest outreach for our kids, it's an outreach for you to have a two-hour date night. And some of you parents took that to heart, which is awesome. That's its purpose. We're here for each other. All right, got to fold my little rag up. Here we go. All right, there's a, there's a quote in um, a saying within church. If you grew up in the church, you know this. Um, and if you didn't grow up in church, that's okay. Sit back and try to pretend like you know the quote, all right? And here's this little inside church quote we have. The pastor would say, God is good, and all the time? Yes, it's a saying that we used to say, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. This morning, today, now that we've established that, that God is good, 
I think he's got good things for you today when it comes to relationships, if you'll give him your heart. I think we're going to talk about some tough stuff, which we need to talk about. Because life and relationships and being a Christian can be difficult, especially in a world that wants to twist everything. It just can be difficult. So how do we do this? So this morning, um, I've titled the message, What's the Elephant in the Room? So we're going to be in two spots, one in the New Testament, one in the Old. So you want to turn to Hebrews chapter 12, if you've got a Bible, tablet, or phone. Hebrews chapter 12, the other one, you're going to jump into the Old Testament and go to 2 Samuel. And we're not going to cover 12 through 18, the chapters, just we're going to be in there randomly, and the story takes place within those chapters. We have a saying here at Radiant Life, because we're trying to get a group identity of who we are in Christ. And we have the saying, when we get into the word, I say this, and you repeat a phrase after me, we get into the word, so the, so the word gets into us, right? If you're like, what are they saying? It's just we believe that God's word is the inspired by God. It's the word of God for you and I. It's living and transformative, as the authors would talk about. We believe as we get in, the word is going to get into us, and it will affect the way we live our lives. So we want to get into God's word. I've said this before from stage. I'm going to say it again because it's worth repeating. If you've never heard the audible voice of God, read the Bible out loud. You'll hear his audible voice. It's inspired. He chose human authors to write it through the inspiration of the Spirit of God as they penned the letters that you and I have. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, read this way. Let us lay aside every what, friends? Uh, you got, okay, we can do better than that. We've already had our coffee this morning. One more time. Let us lay aside every what? Hindrance, right? And the sin. Notice what the author's saying. Christian, lay aside every hindrance. And every sin that so easily ensnares us. We are to have nothing to do with the hindrances and sin that ensnare us in our walk with Christ. And then he says, as you lay those things aside, you are to run with endurance. Now, some of us are like, now I'd rather walk. Fine, walk with endurance or run with endurance. With endurance, the race that lies before you. That there is a life and journey that God has for you to live out. And as you run that out, the writer tells us, keep your eyes on Jesus. As you live out your life, keep your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. I don't know about you, but I often, when couples get married, couples often have this picture in their head when it comes to marriage. As this picture portrays this idea of being cozy on the couch, like we're gonna snuggle all the time, have this beautiful oneness, this togetherness, this happiness, this to love and to be loved. It's just gonna turn out like this every single day of our marriage. And then reality sits in and your marriage ends up realizing there's an elephant there. An elephant has come between us. This can be an elephant in any relationship. An elephant comes into the room and it gets between you and another person. The elephant in the room is an idiom for these ideas that things that are just unaddressed and we don't want to talk about. It's that unaddressed problem. It's that broken promise that hurts. It's the unaddressed dysfunction. It's the next thing that surfaces in the relationship. And when you think about addressing the elephant, oh, you know what it does inside? Your oh, heart starts racing. And now you got stress and anxiety and you go, I, I don't know if I can bring this up. That's what the elephant does. It's big, it's enormous, it can be obvious, sometimes not as obvious, but it's something we definitely don't like talking about. Um, the elephant in the room creates all sorts of problems. And we're today, all of us, whether we are a follower of Jesus or we don't even know why we're in a building today, we're all on the same page. 
because they exist in all relationships. I know you, if you're a follower of Jesus, I know you. I know your heart today. Your heart would say, we all want emotionally healthy and holy marriages, friendships, and families. We all want it. The question is, but will you evict the elephant in the room? You want it to be emotionally healthy, but you realize the tension of holding this emotionally healthy and holy relationship. Whether it's your family and your marriage or your friendship or with your coworkers, whatever. And the idea of, but there's an elephant that I may need to talk about. What do I do? What do I do? Sometimes it's easy to say, well, let's just talk about it. Other times it's a lot tougher. Sit back and watch this video. So, I know we've been avoiding talking about this, but I think we need to address the elephant in the room. I know. I, I know, I just, I would have brought it up sooner, but I just know this isn't gonna be a fun conversation to have. So. So. The budget. Your mom. What? Hmm? What did you say? Oh, no, I didn't say anything. <laughs> yes, you did. I said the budget, and did you say my mom? No. No, 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 no. I, I said your mom. Dang it, I couldn't think of anything to say. Getting on the same page in relationships is not always easy, is it? It's not always easy. We know we have to talk about the elephant in the room, but to actually get there into the conversation within the marriage, within the friendship, it's difficult. I want to ask you a question this morning. And the question is, is there a weight or an elephant in your life you must lay aside? you must bring to the surface and begin to talk about. Not just in marriage, but all your relationships, where you live, work, and play, all your relationships, it can be a multitude of things in your life. A multitude, this is not an exhaustive list, but it can be a ton of things that maybe perhaps some of you, you know it's right there in the relationship, but it's easier not to talk about it. You know it's there. And you have to understand today, this isn't just a marriage thing. You have elephants in your single life. You have elephants in friendships and in dating relationships with your roommates, with your coworkers, with the community, with people in the church, with government. There are elephants in the room in all relationships, including the family. Why then, if it's so stressful, Pastor Ryan, do we even have to talk about this? Yes, because the stress of evicting the elephants is far less than the suffering of living with the elephants. The stress of evicting the elephant is far less than the suffering. Because as long as you're allowing that relational elephant to still exist, you truly in your relationship it's not emotionally healthy and it's not holy. It's there. What we're gonna do today is it's gonna be two scenes. I'm gonna give you a teaching real quick on the life of King David. And then there's a scene behind me. And we're gonna have a little discussion with four of us. And we're gonna open our hearts and let you see inside of our hearts when it comes to relational elephants. But let's jump into our first conversation. Let's walk into King David's life. Like, I love the scripture. Here's why I love scripture. It's God's word. Yes. What I love about scripture is this. It tells us the good and the ugly. It tells us the good and the dysfunction. King David was an incredible king. It doesn't hide at all scripture. doesn't the greatness of King David I mean, he's known after a man after God's own heart. He's an amazing king. He does amazing things. The power of God is on him. And scripture doesn't hide the messes King David made. 
He messed up. He was human. He made mistakes. He fell. He sinned. He paid a great price for his suffering. And his family had lasting dysfunction and heartache because he wasn't willing to acknowledge the elephants in his life. 2 Samuel 18, verse 33. I'm going to start where we're going to end. I'm going to give you the verse. We're going to back up, fill in gaps, and come back to it. 2 Samuel 18, verse 33. reads this way in King David's life. The king was shaken. The king was what? Shaken. I mean, this is King David, the greatest king in Israel's history. He was shaken. And then it says, he went to the room over the gateway and he weeps. And it's there he says these words, if I had only died instead of you. See, the reason why he's realizing where he's at is because he didn't address the elephant in the room. What's interesting is that what I want to do today and what I think God wants to do is I'm praying that God will reveal elephants that are in the room for you. And today you may feel pressure. Today you may feel pressure and the way you want to relieve the pressure is this, dismiss it. I I know you didn't come today hoping that God would not do something in you. So I'm going to pray that you lean in. And I know you want better relationships, so lean in. And I pray that we will allow God to reveal the elephants that are there in relationships so you and I can evict them and get them out. And let me just say this. This is very personal to me. Here's why. And I'm going to be on this panel telling you a different story of a relational elephant. I loved growing up in a Christian home. I had an older sister that's five years older. I had a younger brother that's four years younger. I'm that middle child. I loved growing up at my, in my home. It wasn't all great. Although we attended right here at this church, it wasn't all that great. For most of the time, it was. But we had this thing that we never talked about. We had this thing when I was growing up that Like we had to play perfect. Like we had to play that everything in our life was good when it wasn't. I mean, we would drive to church and my mom and dad, even though they loved the Lord, I mean, they argued the whole way here and then it was like, okay, let's clean up. Now now let's go and smile at everyone. And as a kid, I'm like, I just don't get that. I mean, you're just arguing the whole way. Do you really think I want to come and sing him 525? This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. You know that song? You really think I want to come and sing that song? I just saw mom and dad argue the whole time. I don't want to sing that. I want someone to preach to my mom and dad right now or some couple to come along and help them in their argument that I just witnessed. But growing up, you put on that Sunday best. You come in and pretend like everything's okay. And it's not. I was in fourth grade. And my parents split for one year. My dad went and lived with one of his friends for a year. My parents were separated for one year of my life. I was in fourth grade. My siblings and I, we stayed at the home with my mom. And uh, for a whole year, you know what my parents never did? Talk about the elephant that was there. We never talked about it. We knew where dad was. He was with his friend. But not one time did my parents ever set me down or my sister or my brother and say why things were happening. It was an elephant growing up that my parents just never wanted to address. Can I just say this, parents? If you're not willing to talk with your kids about things, it will affect the, the way your kid is brought up in this world. I react certain ways because of my upbringing. And I'm not blaming my upbringing for everything. Please hear me. Praise God for transformation. This is why I took my father's death so hard. 
because I saw a brand new father by Jesus Christ. And he was awesome. Still made mistakes, but he was so good. And I wanted to continue to see that. I wanted to continue to see it. And I loved it. So I pray that you and I would just really say, God, search. Because what's interesting is, is David, who sits there and goes, I'm shaken, I'm weeping, I wish I would have died, wrote and penned Psalm 101. We're not sure when he wrote Psalm 101. It was either when he became king or when the Ark of the Covenant came back. One of the two. We don't know exactly when. But this is what he writes. Look at these four verses in Psalm 101. He says this, I will live, or some translations say walk. I will live or walk with a heart of integrity in my house. Come on, we know that's good, right? That's a good. We ought to probably, if you're going to put a verse in your home, that's a good one to put up maybe somewhere, right? A devious or perverse heart will be far from me. That's a good one, right? We as Christians, that's a good one. Um, I will not be involved with or know nothing of evil. That's a good one. And then, no one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. And we would walk away going, David, King David is declaring the right things. Like, this is a great way to pursue after the things of God, to enter into and go after holiness, to train towards it. That's awesome. Here's an issue. Excuse me, here's the issue. King David became a man of deceit and brought it right into his home. Even though he pens those words. See, we're told after years of success in 2 Samuel 11 that when kings go off to wars, when kings go off to wars, but King David's at home, he stays back. He's in the palace. He doesn't go. Scripture doesn't tell us why he doesn't go, but Scripture says when kings go off to war, hey, listen up, kings go off to war, your king is at home. Pay attention. What happens? He goes up on the rooftop. He looks over, sees Bathsheba, a beautiful woman, naked, bathing. And he says, I want her. Notice that David is not where he's supposed to be. He's deceived himself. He's not fulfilling his duties. There's an elephant in the room. He's not doing his responsibility. And he's on the balcony. He ends up having an affair with Bathsheba. And in the midst of it, she gets pregnant. And to do something about it, and instead of dealing with the sin and the elephant that's there and confessing it, he says, I got an idea. I'm going to kill her husband. And he puts her husband, Uriah, on the front lines of war, and he dies. And he goes, I got a noble idea. I'll marry her now. This is an issue. This brings the first elephant into David's life. Now, Let's get it out of the way. This thing's cute. Real elephants in our lives are not cute. Welcome to elephant number one. All the while, there's an elephant in the room no one's talking about. David, what are you doing? Let me pause for a moment and say this. There are places you are supposed to be because of the duties and responsibilities you have in life. And sometimes everything breaks down because you failed to be where you're supposed to be. You failed to be where you're supposed to be. Thank heavens, God sends the prophet Nathan and Nathan exposes this sin, this elephant that David didn't want to talk about. He exposes it and exposes the lie And here in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 16 through 18, we get this. David pleaded with God for the boy, his son, that he ends up getting Bathsheba pregnant. And he begs and he fasted and went home and spent the night lying on the ground. The elders of his house stood behind him to get him up from the ground but he was unwilling and would not eat anything with them. And on the seventh day, the baby died. This was suffering for David. It was a mess for David. 
I think it's suffering that didn't need to happen if you just would address the elephant that was there to begin with. But how many of us know this? We pretend our problems or elephants don't exist because it's easier that way. I don't want to deal with this. So if I just pretend and I become naive to this thing, I can push it aside and pretend life is great. When it's not. And you know all along, that elephant is killing you on the inside. It's killing you. David, God uses Nathan to address the elephant. Fast forward. You have this horrific story in David's life. See, the problem with David is he ends up having multiple wives, which is a sermon for another time. It's not biblical. There ends up being a cutout. No, you can't do that. But for David, he did. And here's what happens. Let me show you this illustration with my hands. David has wife A. David has a son with wife A. Amen or Amon, however you want to pronounce it. David has wife B. David has two kids with wife B. A son and a daughter, Absalom and Tamar. What happens is, Son from wife A goes over to his half-sister, wife B's daughter, Tamar, and rapes her. Dysfunction. And you know what David does? Nothing. He doesn't bring it up. He doesn't talk about it. Welcome to another elephant in David's life. I wonder if David just has a conversation with Amon or Amen and goes, son, let me sit down and talk to you. And has a conversation. I wonder if he ends up having a conversation with Tamar also and is able to help heal some things. If things would be different. Because the rest of the story, son from wife B, Absalom, says revenge is mine. And goes and kills David's son from wife A for what he did. And Absalom then escapes. And he starts to build an army and overtakes dad's kingdom. We got an issue. And in it, David says, hey, we got to put a stop to this. Let's go stop my son. He stops him. And then David pleads with his army, whatever you do to Absalom, please don't kill him. And you know what happens in war? People do perish. And David's son dies. And you have 2 Samuel 18.33, what you and I started with today. And the king was shaken. His son died. He went up over to the room, over the gateway, and wept. And his comment, if only I had died instead of you, Absalom. I wonder if David had the courage to deal with the elephants in the room. Outcomes would have been different. We don't know. But what if? Here's what I know. The elephants, the relational elephants, sometimes aren't fun to talk about. We aren't avoiding anything. We're postponing and multiplying the sorrow by adopting them into our family and not evicting them by adopting it into our friendship and not evicting it, by adopting it into our marriage and not evicting it, by adopting it into my team, with my teammates and not evicting it, that's what we're doing. We're prolonging and multiplying the sorrow. And you know what ends up happening? 
we end up putting stick figures on the back of our car, and really, we ought to just put a giant elephant right there with our kids. (laughs) Because that is the fact. What suffering could you save your family? What suffering could you save your relationships if you just evicted the elephant that's there? Last week, if you were here, I talked about the A zone, B zone, and C zone, right? We love the A zone. It's full of promise. It's fun. It's exciting. It's the new thing. We like that. The B zone, we don't like the B zone. It's full of problems. Guess where the elephant comes? Right there in the B zone. And what we do with the elephant, I don't like it. Let's go chase A again. Maybe let's not talk about the marriage. Let's go chase another marriage. Let's not talk about the friendship. I'm done with you. I'm going to quit the Q zone. Let me go chase a new friendship. I actually don't like my coworkers at all. I'm going to quit because I can't deal with the elephant. So what am I going to do? I go to job, to job, to job, to job, to job, to job, to job. I never like it because we're not willing to deal with the elephant. So let me give you two things real quick. I'm going to bring the panel up to talk real fast. Let me give you two ideas in order to Look at the elephant that's there. Number one is this, evict inwardly and outwardly. Evict inwardly and outwardly. Here's what I mean. Start with a heart of humility and confession. Start with the heart of humility that is the evict inwardly this elephant. Be able to recognize. Don't allow pride to go, I don't have an elephant. I don't know what you're talking about. What you talking about? No elephant. I'm too good to have elephants. All all along, your friends and your spouse and your coworkers are like, oh, dude, you got more than one. But you can't see it. We looked at this Colossians 1. We looked at this last week. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion and kindness and humility gentleness and patience. We got to invict inwardly. We got to sit there and go, God, I I, got to lay down the pride. You got to show me the things that are inwardly. Show me the elephant that's there. I know it may hurt sometimes it feels, but your conviction is beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. You know why? It will always point you to Jesus. Here's the issue. Condemnation will point you to the father of all lies, Satan. That's the difference. The sheep got to know the shepherd's voice. You got to learn to distinguish between the voice of God and the voice of condemnation. And then the other words, you got to evict outwardly. You got to actually set this little booger down and go, okay, here's the deal. I got to confess some things. I got to pull a James 5, 16 out and therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be, what's that one word? Healed. Oh, don't you want healing in relationships? It's freedom. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. We got to sit down and go, hey, I just got to confess some things. Brother, sister in Christ, I just got to confess some things. Wife, husband, just got to confess some things. Friend, I just got to confess some things to you. What does it look like to actually evict inward and outwardly? And if we're honest... It's going to be difficult. Because these are moments where you can feel weak. Where you're not the man and woman you thought you were and you feel weak. Can I remind you? Jesus' words, in your weakness, my strength's there. Which leads us to this last point before the team comes up. It's to keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on who? You gotta keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. See, what happens is, as, as the Hebrews said, right? Let us lay aside every hindrance. You can say, let us say, lay aside the elephants, the sin that's there. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus. 
Not inwardly of, well, how am I going to be perceived? But Jesus, my eyes are on you, who's the author and perfecter of my faith. That's how I get through it. Through my eyes on him, knowing the spirit inside of me, the Holy Spirit will empower me as my eyes are on him to get to where I need to go. All of a sudden, you take your eyes off Jesus, welcome to Peter, walking on water and sinking. And we'll never deal with it if our eyes look elsewhere. So Pastor Josh, Rasika, Pastor JB, we're going to switch gears for a moment. And we're just going to get real with you. We each represent a different aspect to a, briefly, to a relational elephant that we're going to share with you. We're going to get raw and honest in our hearts. So I hope you sit back and you can realize we're in this together. Amen? So what we want to do in this segment is, is start to, to hopefully show you what this looks like in practical terms, right? I mean, Pastor Ryan talks about this, hey, we got to get rid of this, but what does that look like in real life? So we're going to kind of peek into, we're going to try not to belabor it, but we're going to peek into uh, a few different situations, a few different elephants, uh, and say, all right, well, what... What does that look like in, in this setting, right? Because this isn't just marriage, you know, like Pastor Ryan said. This is, this is work. This is family, right? Mom, dad, siblings, cousin, you know, whatever. Uh, this can be a, a broad thing, and we want to touch on a few of those different things. Uh, before we get into that, though, and maybe this will come out in some of these, you know, kind of episodes. Why don't we step into the elephant? Like, I mean, you hit on a couple of them, but like... What keeps us from actually addressing the elephant in the room? Well, what do you guys? What do you guys think? <laughs> I didn't do this last service, so I'm putting them on the spot. So. No, I I would just say I think a lot of us are afraid of conflict. Um, conflict can be good; it can be healthy. Yeah. You need conflict in a relationship that I'll say you care about. If you don't care about conflict, then I would I would say you don't really care about the relationship. No, I think, I mean, so if I do, if I sit down and do premarital with a couple, right? Like, and they tell me, oh, yeah, we never fight about anything. I'm like, one of you is lying, all right? Like, <laughs> the odds of two people uh, always seeing exactly the same on everything is is not uh, likely. So, yeah. So, Sika, you you have uh, kind of a narrative with a uh, an elephant in a family situation. Give us a, a little bit of an overview of what you were uh, kind of encountering. Yeah, so uh, the elephant in my family, uh, I would say, would be religion or relationship with Christ. Um, I have quite a few family members who um, do not follow Christ, who live in the world. Um, and, you know, it's, it is hard to navigate, especially when you get together with family for holidays. Uh, you joked about it last service. The two things you don't bring up at holiday gatherings are uh, politics and religion. And so um, we're, I will say working for the church doesn't make it any easier, but I will say that as a follower of Christ, being in a family who doesn't follow Christ, that does make it hard as well. So what did it look like for you to, to step into that, right? There's this tension, this, hey, don't talk about religion or politics, yep. and you're engaging family who aren't walking with Jesus. They know what you do. Again, I mean, yep. like you're basically wearing a neon sign that says Jesus, right? I mean, like... How did you kind of step into that? Yeah, so I would say the first thing that my husband and I do, we are very intentional with prayer. Um, praying every single day that we would have the boldness to to bring up the conversations, but also just for those divine appointments. Um, I've had a lot of family and friends just even over the years call when they need prayer. Um, and I know... I want to say that I know subconsciously they know that there is power in prayer. And I think it's, it is an honor to be in the receiving end of those calls when something does come up that they just know that, hey, there is something to prayer and, and we want to reach out to you and ask for prayer in this. And so it's been really cool to be a part of those conversations and have those divine appointments. But we are asking, you know, every single day we come before the Lord and we ask for holy boldness um, because we do know that family gatherings are going to come up or you're going to run into, you know, Aunt Susie at the grocery store. Um, and the standing joke is I'm related to everyone in this county. So 
I'm inevitably going to run into... Because she is. <laughs> not everyone. But inevitably, I'm going to run into a family member who doesn't have a relationship with Christ. And so what does it look like to put on the, you know, ask for the boldness of Christ to have those conversations? Uh, because the reality is, at the end of the day, they're either going to heaven or they're going to hell. And yeah. and life is so fragile, and we are not guaranteed the next breath. And yep. so I want to make sure that I'm intentional with even just sharing what God is doing in my life and having those opportunities to have the conversations. Um, I was sharing with my husband, though, the other day that I don't think it's a one-and-done conversation. So if you feel that pressure or that stress on your shoulders, uh, I would just encourage you to pray against that because it may be multiple conversations that you have with that person. Um, They're just seeds that are being planted by the Lord. So be patient in that and just continue to pray. So you're bathing everything in prayer, but you're also, you're stepping in as guided by Holy Spirit. You're saying, Holy Spirit, give me the boldness. Mm -hmm. And then when he gives you the opportunity, you're, you're following him. You're not just going to family gatherings and like hitting your relatives with the Bible. No, we're not doing that. So, okay. No, I have a good call. Good call on that. (laughs) Thank you, Sika. Uh, JB, uh, you, you kind of have a story about a workplace elephant. Uh, unpack that a little bit for us. Yeah, uh, I've been in ministry a long time, over 20 years, and been a church uh, staff member uh, for a long time. And the church that I worked at previously um, became a just very, very unhealthy uh, environment. And the pastor, uh, I, and I got saved from a really, really radical lifestyle. And I come into this church, and this pastor is just, he's larger than life. Like, he's just this very strong leader. And my wife and I both, and I think a lot of people, we just really attached to this guy. And just very slowly, uh, things went kind of sideways, um, culminating to the point for us that we left the church that I was born in. I was the first baby baptized at this church, or, or I should say dedicated. You were born in a church? I was, a right in the pute, no. <laughs> <laughs> did they wash the chair later? Yeah, like, they... That's good. Weber's TV repair in downtown LaGrange. Anybody remember that? The, there was a Bible study called Solid Rock that, that met up, up there in the late 70s. My parents were two of 15 people. Uh, and I was the first child born in that church and dedicated in that church. And it grew to be a very large, healthy, amazing church. Um, but when we left, it was, it was heartbreaking. You know, all the people that we knew and loved, that we'd raised our children. My wife and I were married there and baptized there. We went to Bible college there. I mean, we, we grew up as 19 and 20-year-old Christians, you know, into our 30s. And so I, I recognized right away that I, I really, I, I hated this guy. I did. I hated him. Um... There was no other way to describe it. So much so that it just became apparent to me that there was, there was a real root of bitterness, you know, in that same book that Pastor Ryan mentioned, Hebrews, there was a root of bitterness and unforgiveness in my heart. And this guy's not sorry. He's still not sorry to this day. Um, but the Lord began to speak to Lisa and I about the commands of Jesus. You know, if you want to know how to live a, a Christ-centered life, read Matthew 5 through 7. And Jesus says that we're supposed to pray for our enemies. We're supposed to bless our enemies. So I'm like, okay, Lord, I've never had enemies really in my life, but I've got one now. (laughs) And uh, you're commanding me to pray for this person, and you're commanding me to bless this person. What am I supposed to do here? Because I hate this guy. He's hurt my wife and my kids. He's hurt my my parents and my in-laws and just uh, people in this room that I love. And I didn't know how to pray. I just knew what Jesus said. He said to pray for your enemies. So I was listening to a podcast, and Ruth Haley Barton, who I've been using the word Bishop Barton because I think she's a bishop in the faith, she shared a liturgy at the very end of one of her podcasts about how to pray for enemies. It's a really simple prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, I lift, and you put the person's name in, into the holy presence of God, may they experience the deep peace of Christ today. So part of my morning routine, Josh, was I prayed that prayer. And I would say the name of these people. I still pray that prayer. I prayed it this morning. 
And I prayed that prayer for probably a year, maybe, maybe even longer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, I lift Ron and Vicky higher into your holy presence. May they experience the deep peace of Christ. And I had this struggle. I was like, Lord, I can't pray anything else. And I'm praying this one day, uh, probably in the last six to eight months, and I, I pray the prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, I lift Ron into your holy presence. May he experience the deep peace of Christ today. And I sense the presence of God uh, putting new words in my mouth uh, to, to say this, I forgive you, Ron. I forgive you, Ron. And I knew that it was birthed from the Spirit because I, inside of me, I didn't want to forgive him. And there's days that I still don't want to forgive him because I see the trail of brokenness um, and the damage behind this person. But I knew that it was a work of God to even say those things. So this liturgy was, was something that was an obedience to God. It was an obedience to Christ's command that began to change my heart. And then what I began to sense was rather than anger welling up when I, you know, you all know, you see that person's face right now. Whoever that person is in your life, you see that face. So how do you feel right now? Think about it. And I, what I recognized was now when I would see or think of this person, I felt sympathy and I felt compassion. I felt sorry because of the freedom that I've experienced here and in the last almost eight years, uh, I felt compassion. So I knew it was a work of God. And so blessing our enemies and praying for those that the, the relational elephants, I think is Ground zero to start that process. And we don't even know if the, if the person's going to respond. We can only be responsible for ourselves and for what God is leading us to do and say. And so. And, and I think that's a good point. We had somebody after first service, they asked that question. What do you do when like, you're aware of an elephant in a relationship? You're actively trying to address the elephant, but the other person is like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They won't engage, right? I mean, and like you said, like we can only, we can only control what what we do, mm-hmm. right? And, and bathe it in prayer. But I think I think what Pastor JB shares highlights something really important, and that's like sometimes this is messy, mm-hmm. right? This is something birthed out of of genuine hurt, right? Being in a, in an environment where where things went sideways, like you said, right? And and this is real pain. Right, you don't just gloss over these things with some Bible verse and say, "Oh, well, yeah, I guess I'm I'm supposed to forgive you." I'm supposed to like you have to actually step into the mess and the hurt to to really kind of do justice to to addressing that elephant in the relationship, and that can be messy. But I mean, the 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 benefit on the other side again, even not having the other person in this particular situation come back around like the change in you not yet what i like that i like that he hasn't changed yet but you've seen the fruit in your own heart right that like you said that freedom that you've experienced by by stepping into that and and living into the model of jesus so thank you for sharing that it's good pastor ryan uh i mean you probably just do every relationship right don't you Almost. Almost. Okay. Yeah, almost. Okay. So, I mean, if, if there's like one where maybe you suck a little bit, like, what would that? <laughs> Some days a lot of it. Uh, you know, I, what, I, what I realize is sometimes there's a relational elephant you didn't know exists, but the other person does. And it's a relational elephant for them, but you could just have absolute zero self-awareness of it. So um, about two years ago, my wife wrote me a little bit of a letter. And what's interesting is I thought I was doing everything pretty good. And um, she wrote this letter to me that I still have. I keep in my nightstand. And I'm not going to share things that are on it because it's intimate between me and her. And um, it's just things that I realized I wasn't doing in the marriage. 
but I thought I was, but not to the degree that actually really loves her really well. And I'm just going to share this top line. And that's all I'm going to share. But it says, I desire... Um, I desire to feel seen and loved. And I thought I was doing that. And I needed her to write this so I can see the relational elephant that there was that existed there. And again, I thought I was doing good. It's not that I was sucking. I mean, maybe jokingly she would say, yeah, there's a good season where he did pretty bad. But... um, It was on her heart. And now I don't want husbands to be fearful on your drive home that your wife now is going to write you a letter of the elephant in your relationship. But this stays with me. I fold it up just like this in my nightstand so I can always look at it to make sure that that elephant is evicted or I don't allow it to come back in and grow larger. Well, because we oftentimes have blinders. Right? I think we, we're usually, I think, I think if we were to pull the room, we're probably usually pretty convinced that we're doing a good job on most things in life, right? We have those blinders. So it can come as a shock when somebody presents something to us, right? They're bringing up this elephant that we didn't even know lived in the house. And we're like, <laughs> what? Now, I mean, invite us into that a little bit. How did you respond? Because that, that can be kind of a jarring experience. I, I read it and said, oh, babe, you are so right. <laughs> and I was just so wrong. Not at all. I actually, I think my initial response was honestly like, I was disappointed in myself because I didn't feel good enough in the moment. You know, I stand on this stage and I preach about God being a godly husband and stuff. And this letter, in a sense, felt like, Ryan, you're not even living out what you're preaching. That was not her heart, but it felt like when I first, it was disappointment inside. And then that disappointment that I was feeling turned into very much sorrow to be like, wow, I didn't realize what I was doing or not doing. And it turned into compassion. Which, I mean, not too long ago, we talked about this idea of godly sorrow, right? Ideally, when we're confronted with a, maybe a harsh reality about ourselves that we were blissfully unaware of, right? It does, it does cultivate this godly sorrow. Paul tells us that godly sorrow leads to repentance, right? Change in direction, right? Had, had Katie come to you and, and given you this letter and you said, well, you know, forget that. She doesn't know what she's talking about. I'm the best friggin' husband in the world. I mean, I may uh, have said that in, under my breath. <laughs> I may have thought it for that's three and a half that's seconds. That's an important distinction, yeah, though, right? You didn't yeah. verbalize those things. I right? don't know. Maybe she was here. She would tell you I actually did. I don't remember if I did or didn't, actually. Okay. I'm backtracking slightly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you need to address that elephant in the room? Probably, just, too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, the thing that I loved about receiving it is I know my wife's heart. And I know it's going to come with grace. I know it's going to come with truth. And it's easier to receive those things when you know that they're being an imitator of Jesus, that their eyes are on Jesus. It's easier to receive those things. Yeah, you know, sometimes we we make matters worse by the way that we respond, right? And in those moments, if we go with that knee-jerk reaction, that thing that I feel, that thing that I want to say, uh, we, we just compound the problem. What if... What if we take a posture of, of curiosity, right? To where, like, ideally, right, coming out of this, like a thousand people have just heard this idea about calling out the elephants in the room. Or like, what if coming out of this, we, we begin to actually do that, right? That's kind of a hope, you know, ask the question, like, how, how are you going to live your life differently because of this message? Hopefully, you've got some stuff to take away from this, right? But what if those of us that end up on the receiving end, Right? What if we try to cultivate curiosity and say, huh, they're bringing this to me. I didn't see this at all, but can I trust that you know, this person isn't just going like, to make up a bunch of stuff about me? Can I, can I expand my perspective to allow for the fact that to them, this is reality, even though I, I think they're crazy? Right? <laughs> you know, how, do we, how do we do that? Yeah. 
I don't know. Anything else you wanted to say on yours? No. Okay. Uh, and I, I think there are some times when it comes to addressing certain elephants. Again, sometimes this is like deep-seated hurt. There can be a lot of different pieces to this puzzle. Sometimes you have to enlist some professional assistance or at least bring in an objective third party. Uh, it was, I don't know, four or five years ago, my wife, Nicole, and I, where we said, man, like, we're just, we're not connecting the way that we used to do. It just feels like we're off, right? There's, there's some sort of disconnect here. And so we, we tracked down a, a counselor and said, hey, we need, a, we need to bring somebody in to speak into this thing. Right. Unfortunately, I think it's lessening, but there can still be a little bit of a stigma with counseling, with with anything mental health related in the church. Like, and that's total garbage, right? Like we we believe that every bit of us is is affected by sin, including our mental and emotional state. Right. Why would we not go to people that have the tools to help us navigate situations that we don't know how to navigate on our own? Yep. Yep. Right. The illustration I use, right? Pastor Brandon is he's a really good woodworker. Uh, and, and I dabble, right? But if, if I need to try to figure out how to do a certain project, I'm going to go to Pastor Brandon and I'm going to say, hey, here's what I'm looking to do. How do you do this? And he's going to be like, well, hey, these are the tools that you'll need. Here's how you use those tools, right? And, and now go. And, and Pastor Brandon's cool enough. He's going to be like, here, bring it to my shop and I'll show you how to work all this stuff, right? I'll do that with the woodworking, but it comes to some relational, you know, situation. Why are we like, oh, no, 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 ho, ho, nope. I'll just figure this crap out on my own. Yeah, like, how's that working out for you? <laughs> right? <laughs> if you could figure it out on your own, you probably wouldn't be in this mess. Right? Sometimes we need to enlist other people to come alongside us to give us those tools yeah. that yeah. we need. Yeah. All right. Anything else from anyone up here before we? Hey, uh, church fan, can we? just clap, say thanks for sharing their heart and their willingness to open up. Yeah. Uh, worship team, make your way up. Worship team, you can come up. We're going to close. You know what I love about the gospel? Is that the, the good news of Jesus is that it rescues and redeems. That even though the elephants and the relational elephants can be there in our lives, the good news of the gospel, it rescues and redeems that we don't have to live with these. And the call of, for our lives as followers and disciples of Jesus is to live in pursuit of holiness. It's gone. Can you go back to that slide really quick? I want to make sure they, they get it real quick. is to live in pursuit of holiness and in transparency with one another. Let me ask you just a question. Is there an elephant you have to acknowledge? Is there an elephant that you know the entire time that the Spirit of God has been bringing up? Don't leave today without beginning to first and foremost evict it inwardly. I surrender. You know, Pastor JB talked about that beautiful liturgy. I want to show you the prayer. It's going to be on the screen. Maybe you need to take a moment and just do this prayer right here. Can you click the slide, Todd, that prayer one? There it is. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, I lift, fill in the blank, in your holy presence. May, then their name, may they experience the deep peace of Christ today. We're going to close with a song called I Surrender. Maybe for some of you, you just need to take a picture. And actually, the altars are open. If you want to come and just kneel and do some heart work with God, if you want to come right here and kneel and take your phone and put it down and then read that prayer. You just got to give people over to God. Do so. Our prayer partners, if you don't mind, you mind coming to the corners. If you just need to bring up, it's, maybe you need a prayer of holy boldness and courage. Maybe you just need to say, hey, I'm, just, I'm wrestling with this thing. You don't have to get into the, all the details unless you want to. But they're there to be in your corner 
to lift you up to the throne room of grace. And Pastor Brandon and I will be right here if you also want to come to us to get prayed. But the altars are open. Let's just take a moment and let God do a heart work inside of us. Let's stand, if you will, and let's sing and worship. I surrender, but move to get prayed over, to come to the altar. I surrender. <laughs>